Truth Espresso, episode 213. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Welcome, 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 one and all, to another episode of Truth Espresso, and this is Truth Espresso Express, where I jabber on, empty my brain while I am driving to work, and occasionally while I'm driving from work, but now that it's winter and everything is dark when I'm driving home and there could be black ice and stuff, I'm not taking my chances with that one. And so, what to talk about for this episode of Truth Espresso? Well, how about continue to ask the question, was Jesus a socialist? And this is going to be part six of that series. So if you're just checking out part six, and you haven't listened to the first five parts, well, you would be much more edified. You'd get a bigger picture of the answer to that question, was Jesus a socialist, by listening to all the parts. So I highly recommend, if you haven't, start from the beginning and work your way up to this episode. But that's not to say that you need to stop if you just started. There's plenty of good stuff in this episode. It can stand alone. And so what next to bring to the table? What other passages of scripture, particularly in the life and teachings of Jesus, do some socialism advocates bring? Well, in my reading and research, I found that the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, is one that socialists will bring up. So let's dive into it. Let's look at it. Let's make some observations and see if this parable teaches socialism. So the account of the Good Samaritan happens in Luke chapter 10. A lawyer or a teacher of the law comes to Jesus and asks him about the greatest commandment. And Jesus says, if I remember correctly, you know, if this is the context of it, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's the first. Love your neighbors yourself. That's the second. And then this lawyer asks him, well, who is my neighbor? <laughs> yeah, because this teacher of the law wants to figure out who can I respect and who can I avoid. So Jesus teaches this parable that shows some um, the hypocrisy of some of these teachers of the law that they're not really applying it as God intended. And of course, socialists like to take Jesus's attacks on the religious leaders, you know, make Pharisees and lawyers and scribes out of most of Christianity today, along with what would be considered political conservative and lump them all with that so that somehow Jesus' teachings are fully intact with the leftist dogma that may or may not even acknowledge the existence of the God of the Bible. <laughs> I'm trying to remember recently if, if it was Joy Behar on The View that said that Jesus would be the grand something uh, at the pride parade, you know, like Jesus would be 
all about drag queens and gender identity and parading all kinds of illicit stuff that seems to be directed at children a lot now, and yeah, good luck proving that. But nevertheless, with the Good Samaritan, Jesus talks about the hypocrisy of the religious leaders in this lesson here. So, what is the story of the Good Samaritan? It's a very short story, about four verses, or if you add a few more, according to if you stick some verses in context with this story, Jesus mentions that a man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and I'm sure some Bible scholars will indicate why this would provide context for the events that happen. Perhaps there's some places that are prone to criminal activity on the journey there or it's more like wilderness there's not much civilization between the two cities there and so a man Jesus just refers to him as a man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho he fell among thieves so some thieves ganged up on him when he was out of sight from civilization and they robbed him and they injured him they beat him up and basically left him for dead after taking some of the stuff that was with him on his journey and then after a while you have a priest happen by chance who was walking by he saw him but then he passed him on the other side and then a Levite happened to come and see him. It looked at him and then passed him on the other side. And I know I've heard lessons trying to make it like different levels of stuff. Like the priest was the most callous because he just happened to see him and pass him on the other side. And then the Levite, Jesus said he looked on him. So maybe the Levite was observing him, maybe feeling a little bit moved, but then decided, nah, I don't want to bother and then passed him on the other side side. Whatever the point, Jesus is putting these two, the priests and the Levites, who are regarded as religious leaders, the ones who do good, the ones who are examples to the people, they are hypocrites here in this story because they don't help this injured man. But then a Samaritan who was journeying, we don't know for certain if the Samaritan was making the same journey from Jerusalem to Jericho, but whatever the case, a journeying Samaritan saw this helpless man and had compassion on him. And so what did the Samaritan do? He took some of the stuff he had, perhaps some cloths for clothes that he had with him on this journey, and he used it to bind up his wounds. He had some oil, poured the oil in his wounds to try to help with the bleeding, bound up his wounds to try to stop the bleeding, put him on his donkey, and then carried him over to an inn in town, and then stayed there caring for him overnight. So likely this was possibly on the way that the Samaritan was going. So he took the man, rather than riding his donkey, the Samaritan put the man on his donkey and walked the donkey. So the Samaritan sacrificed 
in that way on his way toward the town possibly Jericho who knows but some town where there's an inn and so the Samaritan stayed with this injured man taking care of him and now the Samaritan had to continue uh, his journey the next day so the Samaritan took two pence or two denaria which would be equivalent to two days worth of common labor gave it to the host or the innkeeper there and told the host there to use that to take care of this injured man and that the Samaritan will be back, you know, at some point to check on him and say, like, okay, if this man has anything else that he needs when I get back, please let me know and I will give or do what I can to help. And then Jesus asks the lawyer or those around him listening, which one of these three that I told you about was neighbor to this man? <laughs> it's kind of a rhetorical question there. Like, why would anyone say otherwise than the Samaritan? Obviously, they don't say the Samaritan because it's probably hard for them to say because the Jews regarded the Samaritans as kind of compromisers. They were half-breeds. They were only, you know, half-religious they were half ethnic and so on so the Jews avoided the Samaritans they would try to avoid going through the land of the Samaritans when they had to journey north or south so Jesus used an example of someone who the Jews despised as uh, someone who would be generous as someone who would be neighbor to this man this parable is an answer to the question who is my neighbor and the answer, of course, was the one who helped out this man, equaling this good Samaritan. So Jesus is trying to say, you don't judge someone by their ethnicity or the group that they've come out of, but by their actions. And that definitely is important to consider, especially with all the crazy politics of today and especially to dispel some of what, say, woke politics would try to claim from this passage. Analogizing the Samaritan or the man beaten up with others today and try to, you know, claim that others would fit these roles when, you know, if we analyze closely, we'd see, no, that's not a good analogy there. And then Jesus responding when they say, well, the one who was neighbor was the one who helped the man. Then Jesus says, go and do likewise. So he's saying, don't be like the priest who looked on someone who was robbed and injured and walked by on the other side. Don't be like the Levite who looked and saw the plight but just walked by on the other side. If you see someone who has a need, a legitimate need, then help, fulfill. There's nothing pious about trying to figure out who this person is or figure that it's not your job to do. So, does this parable teach socialism? Is the Good Samaritan someone who promotes socialist programs? Is that what Jesus was teaching about being neighbor to people? Let's make some observations from this parable and see if it is indeed teaching socialism. 
So the first observation I'd like to make in light of woke politics, that is kind of today's American flavor of socialism, is that Jesus doesn't identify who the man was who was robbed and beaten. And I think that's important. Now, you know, the socialists might claim, we'll see, yeah, that shows that we shouldn't have bias toward people. And I would say, exactly, especially the woke, which want to seem to treat people according to identity. Like they want to talk about so-called white privilege. You know, we've had things recently about like relief from Hurricane Ian and whatever kind of relief, COVID relief and stuff like that, that we've had politicians say we should give relief to people based on their identity, based on whether they're minorities or uh, LGBTQ stuff or overlook (laughs) someone based on their skin color, like say if they have whiter skin then hey maybe they don't get aid you know could that be the equivalent of the priest or levite walking by and saying i'm not going to help them based on who i see that they are yeah because so things can go uh, another way here according to the woke identity politics here maybe they can be guilty Maybe things like saying, we need to socialize aid and we need to ration it out based on whether we determine someone has privilege or not. You know, not what kind of situation has befallen them, but how we can evaluate whether we determine if that person has privilege or deserves or doesn't deserve to have aid or not. You know, maybe woke identity politics is guilty of being like the priest or Levite in this story, not someone who believes in free markets and private charity. So the first observation was that this man doesn't have an identity, so you can't bring in woke identity politics into this, and maybe it was intentional that Jesus didn't identify, he didn't say a certain Jew or a certain poor person or a certain deviant fell among thieves. It was just a man. It doesn't matter who the person is. If the person has a legitimate need, you help them. Even if that person is your enemy, even if that person is someone you despise, if that person has a legitimate need, you help them. Now, the second observation is the man was robbed of his possessions. The man was robbed, as in real, legitimate, (laughs) actual having his possessions taken away by someone who didn't have a right to them. Like, we're talking about real robbery here, not someone who just doesn't have as much as someone else. Not someone who we say, society has robbed him of what should be rightfully his because he agreed to a certain contract for his labor, like we see in the parable of the vineyard owner and the vineyard workers but thought he should have more. Not someone who just happens to be at the poor end of the spectrum and then you say, well, this person is robbed. No, 
<laughs> we need to be clear here from the observation here. This person was robbed of his possessions, regardless of how he obtained it. Remember, this person isn't identified. It's just a man. Jesus doesn't care who this person is. And he says that this person was robbed. We don't look at this person if this person was in any way like middle class. I know they didn't have as much of a middle class at this time. It doesn't matter if this person was poor or rich. Now this person had something that could be taken, so he wasn't dirt poor, right? It doesn't matter who this person is. What matters is that this person was wronged because he was robbed. And so you have compassion on someone if he was robbed, regardless of the economic state of the person. And there is no lesson to take here that this person was robbed socially by deprived of having something given to him by a social program or whatever. No, that's not robbery. According to Jesus, according to this parable, robbery is that you actually possess something by some kind of right, whether it was donated to you voluntarily or whether you earned it through a voluntary exchange. And then robbery is having that taken away from you without your consent, which is what happened when this man was on his journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. And now the third observation, not only was this man robbed, and he wasn't robbed of allegedly potential possession, he was robbed of the actual possessions that he had at the time. He was physically beaten. Now, woke socialists today would probably analogize this person to someone being allegedly beaten with hate speech or such. And of course, hate speech doesn't mean like someone calling them names, someone very much <laughs> tangibly uh, saying things that would hate them based on, say, their skin color or something like that. Or to say, you know, I don't have to know why you're in this predicament because of who I can see you are. You brought it upon yourself and so you deserved it and stuff. No, this person was physically beaten. So what do we do with things like um, Antifa riots and such? What do we do with woke politics, socialist politics that try to say that some people deserve to be beaten physically because they have privilege and such? No, it doesn't matter who you are. The laws of equality would say that you have a right not to be physically beaten. It doesn't matter if there's some kind of grand social cause. It doesn't matter your skin color. So we could say that the Antifa people and such, people who think they can just physically riot or beat someone or take their possessions or loot stores or such, have a right to do so. No, you can analogize them properly with the thieves in this story. So yes, number three observation is that this man was physically beaten. No words of violence message here. It is not a proper analogy from Jesus to try to say that someone merely teaching family values is somehow beating up someone who dances around in bars. 
Now, the most important analogies here, the most important observations here, are what the Good Samaritan did, what his role is here. So, fourth observation is that the Good Samaritan had compassion on this unidentified man, and that compassion led him to help the man voluntarily. So, why do I say that? Was the Good Samaritan a good Samaritan because he protested in the streets to have some kind of socialized government program to help this man? Did he take to the streets and yell at some people who were wearing silken clothes to say, hey, you go help this person? We don't know the financial state, the economic state, the class state of this Good Samaritan because it doesn't matter. Yes, the Good Samaritan was despised. We don't know if this man could have been somewhat poor himself, which would then go to show that morality is not about saying, hey, you rich people, you have to help poor, uh, underprivileged people. No, if you, regardless of your economic state, see someone who is physically beaten, physically robbed, go help them. You don't demand that someone else who's more privileged than you are have to go help them or be compelled to help by some state. No, you go help them. So, the fourth observation is that this good Samaritan helped him voluntarily. He didn't call on others. He didn't protest to have a social program help this person. It was a one-on-one -on -one help situation. It was a free market help. And finally, yes, related to this, the Good Samaritan used his own possessions to help him. The Good Samaritan didn't put his possessions in some kind of social program or pot that's marked for the poor and then have that go to help some nameless, faceless person out there whom the Good Samaritan would not even know or meet. No, the Good Samaritan physically saw this man, physically noticed that this man was physically robbed and physically beaten, and this Good Samaritan voluntarily helped him with his own possessions. We see he put him on his own beast or his own donkey. He bound him up with his own oil. He didn't say, come on, people. This was in a situation where likely this was the only person around. So he took him into town. He didn't bring him to the inn and say, all right, you guys, you are an inn. You probably have some money. You be the good Samaritan now and you help him. No, the good Samaritan gave money to the inn to help this person. So this is a lesson on you voluntarily. If you see someone have legitimate need, you help that person with your own possessions and you don't compel it on other people. <laughs> and so I just parked at work. And so I think we can safely observe that this parable of the Good Samaritan doesn't in any way teach socialism. It teaches voluntary charity in a free market system that people who have give of their own possessions voluntarily don't demand that other people don't expect that there has to be some collective pooling of resources enforced by a gun. 
by the state, nor should help be rationed out according to identity politics and so-called privilege. Nor is it good for people to loot and riot based on their perception of their own underprivilege. So, I hope that you've enjoyed this part of answering the question, was Jesus a socialist? And stay tuned for more True Espresso and possibly more in this series. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 